Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Avenue Audio, the show. My name is Brian, and uh, with me tonight is a special guest host, the co-host of A Pot of Their Own, my friend and yours, Allison McKay. Hello, Allison. Hi, Brian. Good to be here. It's great to have you. Thank you for filling in for Chris at the last minute. Uh, you know, these things happen even in the best of families, so Chris had to do something <laughs> tonight, and so here we are, and we are uh, we're talking about the Mets, we are recording this during the game on uh, Wednesday night. It is currently tied up two games, uh, yeah, two runs apiece uh, against the Indians. Marcus Stroman has left the game after four innings with left hamstring tightness. Um, we don't know too much yet. You know, a hamstring can be nothing or a hamstring can be devastating. So. Yeah. Um, you know, he was able, he spoke to the trainer after the third inning, went back out and pitched a seven pitch fourth inning. So it, this doesn't appear like he did something catastrophic to it. Just seems like more discomfort. But, uh, you know, we do live in panic city. So how, um, how nervous are you about this most recent development for the Mets? I mean, as far as like the actual, like, do I think this injury is bad? 
on a scale of like one to 10, 10 being like he's out for the year. Oh my God, panic. And one being like, he's fine. Maybe about like a four. Okay. But like, as far as like, if it is something beyond like he didn't drink enough water today. And so he tightened up then like the Mets have no depth. So (laughs) come on down. Walk you want when the Mets are in a wild card race in late August. Well, if you listened to uh, Gary, Keith, and Ron today, Gary floated the idea of possibly calling up Irvin Santana as the fifth starter, which, you know, (laughs) Gary was quick to point out, you know, he has bad numbers in AAA right now, but, you know, you never know because he's a veteran and you hope that veteran Grishin, you know, counts for something. And yeah. while I don't love the idea of a guy with a five ERA and AAA coming up and making starts to the Mets, I don't know how much worse that is than Walker Lockett or Corey Oswald. I don't I, I, I mean, it's kind of all the same thing. You just hope that like if if one of those dudes has to make one start, then it's probably fine. But once you get beyond them having to make one start then it starts to be a problem because this is a team that can't afford to lose any games. They can't afford to go into any game with that much of a disadvantage. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think I'm I'm trying to think if I had to rank it in terms of who I want for one start versus who I'd want for three starts. Mm. I think for one start it really doesn't matter. It's, no. It, it's it's noise at that point. If it's three starts maybe Corey Oswalt I guess I don't know I like to me I'm kind of indifferent I guess I would give the slight edge to Walker Lockett but like none of those options are great and like if it's one start then you could maybe do like a bullpen situation Um, but the Mets don't have any like long men right now is the other issue. So because Gazelman is on the injured list, that's kind of your last long man. I mean, we know that Seth Lugo is capable of going multiple innings, but Seth Lugo is their high le- highest leverage reliever at this point because of everybody else's struggles. Right. And so you can't afford to use him as like a piggybacking bullpen game sort of guy when you might need him in a high leverage situation. And the Mets don't really have any long men in their bullpen right now, I guess like kind of Paul Seawald counts, but like he's not really any better of an option to like quote unquote start a game than like right. Walker Lockett. Yeah. See, to me, I guess I'm looking at Oswald has, you know, in AAA has put up an ERA of 2.85 has, uh, has started 14 games and has struck out 70 in, let's see, 75 innings. I mean, those aren't elite numbers, especially when you consider 76 walk, 76 hits rather in 75 and a two-thirds innings. But, you know, I just get the feeling that Oswald is maybe the least unknown factor of the three yeah, right now. Like, yeah. I, I feel like we know what we're going to get more with um, with Oswald than we do with Lockett or with Santana. But I also think that the... Uh, I think that the ceiling is lowest for Oswalt. Yeah, I agree. 
it does kind of make me laugh that Wilmer Font is doing pretty damn good for the Blue Jays right now. Well, that's the way it always goes with the Mets, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I'm you know? not saying that like Mets should have held on to Wilmer Font. How dare they? It's not one of those situations, but it's still like it's kind of like a little bit of like you get a little bit of a chuckle out of the fact that like the Mets suddenly find themselves in a situation where they might need a spot start and Wilmer Font's out here killing it for the <laughs> <Yeah>. Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, yeah, I mean. Now, if Strowman is is hurt for the next few weeks slash the rest of the season, does that greatly change your feeling about the Mets' chance to catch a playoff spot? Yes, <laughs> it kind of does. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say that it tanks their chances to zero or anything like that, but it it would really impact my optimism about the Mets because their starting pitching is what's been carrying them during this. I mean, that's not to say they haven't had positive contributions from their lineup. Obviously they've been hitting well, but it's really been the starting pitching outside of Zach Wheeler's one hiccup against the Braves. If you think about it, the Mets have not really had a poor performance out of a starter, like a truly poor one since the all-star break. Basically. That's true. Yeah. And so and it's part of what's been better about the bullpen has been in part less exposure because the starters have been going deeper into games. And so it makes me nervous that if we take one of those starters out of the equation, that it's going to have a domino effect and that the bullpen is going to once again be more exposed and they're once again going to start losing these games late, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of problems that we were seeing when the Mets were playing poorly. So. Yes, it actually does impact. Even though, like, yes, they still have four good starting pitchers. It's not. It's not a. It doesn't break them. But yeah, it does actually impact my outlook a little bit for sure. It, it does for me too. Although it doesn't really change for me the team if they make it to the playoffs. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I think if they make it to the playoffs, you're probably not seeing much of Stroman anyway. Sure. Uh, but it's getting them there. And right now, that's such a precarious situation that I would be worried without him in the in the rotation for any extended period of time. Right. Because if you think about how the Mets, because we were having, we were actually having this discussion in Amazing Avenue Slack, you know, this afternoon at some point. We were kind of, you know, this wasn't us being like, the Mets are making the playoffs. And it was just us like, you know, having the fun type of conversations you can have when your team is in it in late August about like what type of, you know, what type of setup the Mets would do with their pitching staff for a theoretical playoff run. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all agreed, um, even though we disagreed on some details, I think that most of us agreed that either Wheeler or Mats would be the one to go to the bullpen in a situation where the Mets made the playoffs. And so if you just take Stroman out of the equation instead, because he's hurt or whatever, you know, you've still got four guys you can rely upon in a starting rotation for the playoffs, which is a, still a hell of a lot more than a lot of teams can say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not going to know about Stroman for a couple of days. So while I want to panic right now because that is built into my DNA as a Mets fan, I'm trying to not panic just yet because of all the things we just talked about. Right. Um, I'm not quite panicking about, like I said, I'm not quite panicking about the severity of the injury yet. I'm waiting to hear on that. But it, if it is bad, 
I'm kind of panicking a little bit. And it has, and like you said, like it, it's, it doesn't impact my outlook as far as if the Mets are able to punch their ticket to the playoffs. It's more like, do I think they can get there without him? Yeah. And I'm not sure. <laughs> and, you know, because of the lack of the waiver deadline, like this, this actually would have positioned the Mets last year to make a move on the waiver wire. Yeah, yeah. And for sure. yes, there are DFA'd guys you can go after, but that pool is much slimmer right now. Yeah, and there aren't that, that starting pitchers. Like, yeah, there have been a few relievers. The Mets picked one of them up in Brad Brock. Who's um, been pretty good. Who just pitched. I mean, he, yeah. he gave up a run, but it was kind of an unlucky situation. I mean, he did give up a leadoff walk, which is on him, and right. that was his problem in Chicago. So, you know, it's not surprising that some of those issues have carried over, but gave up the leadoff walk and then gave up kind of like a, you know, it was a good piece of hitting on a good pitch. It wasn't like he Absolutely. made a bad pitch. Yeah. So um, it was kind of an unfortunate run, but like he didn't let the inning get away. And now the Mets remain tied. So, but Brad Brock was one of those pickups that the Mets did for the bullpen, but that, that simply doesn't really exist for starting pitching right now. There's right. not really anyone that I can think of off the top of my head that at least that would represent an upgrade over like the Corey Oswald Walker Lockett contingent of pitchers. Yeah, I, I don't think it really exists for the Mets right now either. And what's extra tricky about that is that you don't want to, like now that the bullpen is seemingly a little bit more stable than it was a few weeks ago or a few months ago, I would be like, if this was, if the bullpen didn't have such early volatility, I would say, well, every fifth day you could throw a bullpen day. Yeah. I don't feel that way anymore about this team. Like now that these guys are pitching all right, I don't want to overexpose them and get get it back to the way it was. I want to keep this system going as much as possible. Right. So and I, it's and part of the problem has been a problem that the Mets have faced for the past two years now, which is that Seth Lugo is far too valuable to take him out of the bullpen at this point. And that's even more true now that He's like even sharing the closer role with Edwin Diaz, essentially. Yeah. He's like become the closer, basically, with Edwin Diaz being the closer when Seth Lugo's pitched two days in a row or like whatever. Right. Um, so that's the problem is really like my my heart, what my heart wants in a situation where the Mets need a spot start is, you know, make like have Seth Lugo throw the first three innings of the game. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I want because Seth Lugo is really the best, one of the best starting pitchers they have still. Right. But he's so valuable as a high leverage reliever for them at this point that they cannot afford to take him out of the bullpen. Yeah. And so, you know, I keep trying to find in my head an option that isn't Oswalt, Santana, Lockett, insert quad A pitcher here. Um, but I don't, I don't think that an option exists outside mm -hmm. of those guys right now. No. Not really, unfortunately. So this is to say, <laughs> say a novena, let a candle, do something for Marcus Stroman that he's not hurt. <laughs> for real. For real. Yeah. But one thing that we, we have kind of hinted at here is that the Mets bullpen has been much improved as of late, as has the Mets bench. You know, tonight's two runs came off the bat of uh, Todd Frazier, Juan Lagares, and Luis Guillerme. And... Yeah. In a, I think if the season had gone the way the Mets had hoped, those would be maybe three of their bench players this year. Right. And, you know, Ligaris and uh, and Frazier have played more than planned. 
Yormay's probably played about as much as he would have played in almost any situation, unless, actually, maybe Yormay wouldn't have even played this season if Jed Lowry was was healthy. But that's a whole other story. Anyway. Right, and I think that Guillaume didn't like has played about as much as you would expect, given the fact that the Mets had a Denny Echeverria for a while, who was yes. essentially Guillaume role player. Yes, um, but you know, but we've been seeing the bottom of the lineup, the pinch hitters, the bench really improve. Part of that is the acquisition of Joe Panic. Part yep. of that is the um, is Juan Lagares just seemingly finding a stroke, not a not necessarily a sustainable uh you know long-term solution here but he's he's hitting the ball a little bit you know but hey ride that wave and he looks great in the field yes he does oh my goodness great in the field he's already gone and gotten a couple of balls today that most a lot of fielders would not have gotten so yes i agree completely i i i have long been an advocate for if he can hit just a little bit he really needs to be playing center field most days for the Mets. And yeah. so I'm I'm happy with this. But you know, you're just you're seeing this and I hesitate to compare this to 2015 for so many reasons, but when you're watching a good team that's on a good roll, everyone seems to contribute. There yeah, seems to be yeah. just a role for everybody. And to that's the vibe I've been getting from the Mets the last 2 or 3 weeks. Uh, you know, just just today's Today's offensive heroics, you know, is, is the most recent example of that. But we've seen, uh, you know, we, we, we've just seen, we've seen Guillermo hit a go-ahead home run, right? We've right, seen, right. We've seen uh, Panic, you know, leg out what looked to be a sure pop-up that was dropped. And then, uh, you know, and then he scored the winning, the go-ahead run. Like, you know, these are, these are things, little things that are just not, they're not season-changing moments but it's just it's nice to see the entire team contributing and i think there are a couple of people that i want to highlight but is there anybody for you that's been a big a big reason why this team has felt so much better as of late jd davis um he has gone from like in the off season sort of like low low level bench acquisition that a lot of people criticized because they gave up like not nothing for JD Davis. Right, right. Um, and he had never had success at the major league level, albeit he didn't have he wasn't given much of a chance, but he had not at all had success at the major league level. Despite tearing things up at AAA, the Mets clearly that internally thought that he was really good. And obviously, you know, most Mets fans are skeptical of the Mets internal process to say the least at <laughs> right, times. Yeah. And so I think that a lot of people were critical of that acquisition, including me. And I was wrong. We were wrong. We were all and wrong. We were all wrong. And JD Davis went from in even he's even obviously since the injuries have hit the Mets, he's elevated himself from same semi-regular. I wouldn't call himself a bench bat even early on. He was kind of like a platoonish sort of player, like a semi-regular to now everyday player who has the highest batting average in all baseball, just the national league. I can't remember since the all-star break, he's hitting like 388. It's like utterly absurd. So I think that like he is in my view, the quintessential example of everybody contributing. Like he has really stepped it up from where he was before to really carry this team because obviously like 
we all know Pete Alonso is awesome. We all know Jeff McNeil is awesome. We all know Michael Conforto is awesome. But someone like J.D. Davis has been like the reason why the Mets have gone to the next level. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a a really pleasant surprise. He seems like a guy, too, where, I mean, he's he's been a little bit streaky, but it's not like he's just, I, I don't think he's going to bat 388 forever, right? But I think that he is, he could be a sustainable part of this team. There's no yep. doubt in my mind that he could play a similar role next season. Maybe right. not to this level, because this is this is a lot, but a similar role. I also have to say, and he is not going to light the world on fire, but one of the really nice things the Mets did this year was pick up Joe Panic. Yeah. Panic cost them nothing, essentially. Yep. Um, he has been he's been a better offensive player than likely Guillaume would have been in that spot. Or a Denny Echeverria or, or whatever. Yes, exactly. Or Echeverria. Um, he's also okay with the glove. He's not going to kill you at second base right now. And right. while he's not Robbie Cano, while he's not Jeff McNeil, there's just this elevation of the floor of the bench when you bring in guys like Panic, where you yeah. don't think, oh, here's an 0 for 5 every night. And I think that this is overselling his contributions, but to me, the Panic acquisition reminds me a lot of the Juan Uribe, Kelly Johnson arrival in 2015 where the Mets were already pretty much set, their their regulars were all in place, and yet they went out and they brought in these two players that were going to just be just hole fillers wherever needed throughout the rest of the season. They were going to plug a hole in the lineup, plug a hole in the field, and they were they were better than than Eric Campbell, right? That was Right, right, yeah. exactly. And that's exactly. what panic is for this season. And I love exactly. that. I agree with that. And you could even make a kind of analogous argument for like Brad Brock being like the Tyler Clifford. Yes, I, I think that's very fair. I, I think Brock, you know, has not has not been lights out, but he's certainly Brock has pitched better than almost anyone not named Lugo pitched in the first half from the Mets bullpen. Yep, pretty much. And I think a huge part of to sort of name another like kind of under the radar contributor to the team's rise it has been justin wilson yep he's um, healthy now ever since he's been healthy he's been fantastic he owns the lowest era on the staff like i think like besides jacob Degrom, what's jacob Degrom's era now i don't know it's close i think but i but like justin wilson has like a 2.55 era or something like that yeah he looks great um so he's been great and he just pitched a scoreless inning in this game um, that we are now still tied in the eighth inning <laughs> as we speak. Um, so he pitched a scoreless inning again tonight. He's been, he's been very, very solid. And I think that that's been a huge thing in, you know, sort of solidifying the bullpen to give Mickey Calloway like another late inning option to turn to while like, you know, Seth Lugo takes the most high leverage situations and, you know, you kind of ease Edwin Diaz and Jerry Familia into those situations like on occasion. Justin Wilson has been like the seventh, eighth inning guy like day in, day out now. I mean, even Luis Avalon is looking Has much been better a lot now. Better, yeah. You know, it's 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 pretty incredible. And look, they lost Gazelman this week, likely for the season. 
and that's a bummer because I I want to root Huge for bummer. And he was he was not great this year, but he was not the biggest problem in the bullpen by a long shot. Sure. Yeah, he was fine, you know? Fine. Yeah. And and could give you multiple innings, which was the big a big thing. Again, like once like on days when you're not getting length out of your starters, like he was the one that was really stepping up to the plate when he needed to come in and and pitch like the sixth and seventh innings. He would have been the guy tonight coming in instead of Familia in the fifth inning. Yep, yep. Definitely. And so it's it's a big it's a blow. It's a blow to that bullpen, even though he's not He's not Seth Lugo. He's not Justin Wilson. He's not pitching those super, super high leverage situations unless the other guys are unavailable. But he he gives the bullpen depth and length that it now kind of lacks a little bit. But they're surviving so far. And this is yet another reason why the Stroman injury matters because yep. because the Mets starting pitching has been so good. It's been limiting the number. We said this before. It's been shortening the game for the bullpen. Yep. And so if you if you pull Stroman out of there, even if you're getting five good innings from somebody, which is probably what you'd expect from a quad A pitcher, right? Five yeah. solid five innings, innings, three runs, three or four runs, whatever. Yeah, exactly. You know, now you're looking for four innings from your bullpen, whereas Stroman, I think you're penciling in at least six innings, if not seven innings. Yeah. So, yeah. by the way, how great is it that we have starting pitching right now that we can pencil in seven innings? That's awesome. And like, it's, it's good to know that even though no matter like how this game tonight turns out for the Mets, like we got Syndergaard going tomorrow. Yep. And so it's like, even if the pen, even if this goes extras, even if the pen ends up being a little, you know, a little trashed after tonight's game, we've got Noah Syndergaard going tomorrow. And we hope that Noah Syndergaard can be penciled in for at least seven. Which yes. is like a really nice feeling, you know? Yeah. It's a nice feeling. And I have to say, I have to give Callaway some credit so far. He hasn't thrown anybody out there for multiple innings tonight. So everyone should be available tomorrow. In theory. In theory. Yeah. Although some pitched <laughs> last night, you know, so I. Yeah. Yeah. But... You don't want to pitch too many guys three days in a row. No, certainly not. Especially a dude that has the injury history he's had this year. Don't want to yes. push it. But yeah, in theory. But I have a feeling Seth Lugo is probably going to be asked to go more than one here if he um, gets out of this eighth inning. So I would think the same thing. Yeah, he's going to go eighth and ninth and hoping that the Mets can can take the lead in one of those two innings, either take the lead in the eighth or walk it off in the ninth. That's that's the blueprint right now. Yes. Hopefully that happens while we are speaking on this podcast. Yes, it is. <laughs> Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
So I, I did want to ask you a question because I don't, first of all, I'm not medically savvy enough to think about this, but the Mets have had a lot of hamstring injuries this season. Yeah. And right now they are, pardon the pun, hamstrung uh, for three or is it three players or four players that are out with hamstring injuries right now, counting Stroman. Counting Stroman, it's it's Stroman and uh and Cano and McNeil, McNeil. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's three. Do you think that there's anything to the way the Mets are training that would lead to these injuries? And I know we're speculating wildly here, and I'll throw that out there. But do you think there's any there's any validity to maybe team not stretching enough, team not hydrating enough, anything <sighs> like that? Maybe. I mean. The hydration was always a problem with Cespedes and all his lower body problems. Um, but obviously, there was like deeper things going on with him. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, we all know that they do employ the like bulk up methods with their guys. And I know at least like Jacob deGrom and others have kind of eschewed that a little bit in recent years and have gone more with like agility training and running a lot more. Um, And you notice that he has avoided these injuries, but obviously he's a pitcher, although Stroman is too. um, And starting pitchers don't tend to get hamstring problems, which is why I am hope sincerely hoping that this was just a cramp because like you'd hope that a pitcher doesn't just like tear his hamstring because that's like indicative of a deeper problem. Um, Part of it is that the Mets are making all their players bust it down the line every time. Yeah. And that's the, that's the Cano problem. That's how Cano hurt himself. That's how McNeil McNeil hurt hurt himself. himself. Yeah. So it's this, and I mean, obviously it's more surprising on McNeil's part than Cano's just because Cano is, you know, 36 years old now. Um, and you know, we've been trying to say this all year, people like it's not laziness. It's conserving your body. Um, he knows his body best, but when the Mets say, you know, when the Mets trash you in the media and say, you got to run out every, every ground ball, this is the stuff that happens. So I mean, I can't obviously like Stroman is isn't a result of that. Although Stroman is like Stroman hustles in yes, the field. He does. Yep. He's, he's a gold glove caliber uh, fielder as a pitcher. And he's made multiple like super athletic plays. I, I think about that one in particular where he ran to first base like as fast as he could. So that's the type of stuff where you would think he would hurt his hamstring. <laughs> right. Yeah. But he didn't then <laughs> and he did now. Um, although I thought. So when Stroman was running the bases in what game was that? When he scored the run on Ahmed Rosario's hit. Ugh. What day was that? <sighs> I, I'm so bad at remembering like what so happened in what games. I'm the worst at that. Um, anyway, there was a game recently where he was running the bases. It was, I think it was his most recent start before this one. Um, he was on the base pads and he scored. Um, and I thought it looked like he was grimacing on the base pads. Like, and everyone was saying, no, no, no. He was just smiling because he was happy. And I was like, I don't know, man. It looked like he was kind of <laughs> grimacing. And so it makes me wonder if this has been like an underlying issue for like a few yeah. days now. Yeah. Something but been lingering. that's, again, wild speculation on my part. But yeah, I, as far as the position players, it's the making them run out. And and Jeff McNeil is not being forced to do this. We know that this is just Jeff McNeil's like personality. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, it's it takes a lot out of you to bust it down the line every single ground ball over the course of a 162 game season. It just does. It's also pretty silly to think how important to think that's important, but you know, this is you know. nuts. Yep. <laughs> um. All right. So, it, Joe Panic, bottom of the eighth. There, there we go. go. There we go. Panic City. I'm waiting to Panic recap City. a game when he does something good so I can write Panic City as the headline. I'm waiting mm-hmm, for it. Mm-hmm. Waiting patiently. So, um, I guess last topic I wanted to discuss before we um, we get out of here. And this is something that's really more of an, a pot of their own topic. But you guys recorded last night and this popped up today. Right. Uh, what's with baseball players taking boner pills? Oh, my God. <laughs> this like this has been a wild day on Twitter. Just yes, it has. yes, it's it has. been a banner day on baseball Twitter because of players taking boner pills. So, OK, there's a lot to digest with all of this. First of all, players like I can't believe that Major League Baseball had to like put out a memo and be like, <laughs> yo, guys, get the real stuff. Don't go to the gas station and get like Rhino 3000 or whatever the hell like these rant. <laughs> That's even like, better. It's even better that it's not just Viagra that they're like, no, right? I'm cool with truck stop boner pills. Like, what the hell? Like you would think that professional athletes would understand better than your average Joe that like putting truly random shit in your body is probably a bad idea like they sign contracts saying they won't do that right right and i'm just like oh my god can you be this dumb like what and i can't believe that they're like that they had to like that multiple players have already gotten like suspended over this like what not only that like i don't have access to a doctor as readily as any ball player does right so you know they can write me a prescription not only that I don't have as good a health care as any ball player does. They're not they're, paying a copay for this. You know? Right. They're all loaded and they yeah. all have access to the best possible health care imaginable and they're buying truck stop boner pills. What the hell? It's just I, I'm like I'm flabbergasted. I'm flabbergasted. And I mean, obviously, there's like, you know, there's two sides to this. There's obviously the like side that you would think that they'd be using them for. But then, you know, I think it was Eric O'Flaherty actually tweeted about how, like, they're using them as, like, basically, like, uppers. Yeah. 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 Like, which, yeah, I guess if you, like, if you, biologist hat on, like, yeah, they're vasodilators. So, like, yes, they are going to get you, like, amped up in addition to their intended use. (laughs) So, you know, you could see it. But, like, again... That's a bad pun to say you can see it when talking about boner pills, Allison. (laughs) Uh, Is phrasing not a thing anymore? I guess it's not a thing. Um, But get the real stuff. Like, just go get Viagra. I don't understand. (laughs) Like, it's very, this is America. Viagra is very easy to get. (laughs) This is America. Oh man, this is just very special. Uh, there was there were many, many, many juiced ball jokes on yes, Twitter. There was. Yes, a there lot was. of them. <laughs> I did enjoy that part. That was pretty funny. I couldn't let that sit for six days until a pot of their own had a, had a swing at that one. So, 
<laughs> I had to bring it up with you. And <laughs> you know what? Again, this is America. You can even get them from like a mail-in service discreetly. You don't even have to like talk to people about <laughs> right, it yeah. if that's what your holdup is. Like you can get them from I they show the commercials on every major league baseball broadcast for <laughs> the boner pill mailing service. Yep. <laughs> I have to see them all. <laughs> For Roman and all of those other services. They exist, guys. You can just go get that. It's really, it's pretty easy. Come on. <sighs> Truck stop boner pills. What? <laughs> I can't name the episode Truck Stop Boner Pills, but I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just know that the unofficial name of this uh, exactly. episode yes. is Truck Stop Boner Pills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's uh, it, it's hamstrung will be the title, and then in parentheses or Truck Stop Boner Pills. Truck Stop Boner Pills. That's the name of my next album. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Allison, what's your music pick for this week? <laughs> That's a good transition, actually. Is it? I didn't do that on purpose. Um. So my music pick is so fairly recently like within the past month I feel like and I feel like this isn't the first conversation that we have had in Amazing Avenue Slack about this but everyone uh, in Amazing Avenue Slack and most of you probably in the greater Twitter world probably know that a member of Amazing Avenue Vaz and I share the same favorite band which is Green Day and so Vaz and I have had extensive conversations about Green Day and Amazing Avenue Slack before, and we both have talked about how important the album American Idiot is to both of us. I am not, that is not, my music pick is not that album because everyone knows that album and everyone knows Dookie and everyone knows Green Day and everyone knows most of their albums, but I would like to give a shout to one of their intervening albums between um, Dookie and American Idiot, because I feel that that period of Green Day's career is vastly underrated. Please um, tell me you're picking Insomniac. I'm picking Warning, actually. Uh, I like warning, warning is my favorite Green Day album. I like Warning. I love Insomniac. Insomniac is also very good. I mean, you can, it, you like, I'm the biggest Green Day fan ever. You can't, like, there is no Green Day album that you could tell me, like, that you like that I would say is bad. So, I mean, to me, the um, best one is Kerplunk, but that's also just. Kerplunk's amazing too. Uh, they're all amazing in their own ways. And yes. they're all like they're all very different albums. Um, but you know, I feel like when people, especially since we're kind of like a Green Day is still theoretically an active band, they they may or may not be making new music right now. They're being very mysterious about the whole thing. But anyhow, um I feel like the period between because Dookie is obviously what like put them on the map, and then like American Idiot is kind of like what people call like the renaissance of Green Day, basically, like coming back into the forefront, like, wow, this is something really different. And American Idiot, I would say, as far as like Green Day albums that mean the most to me, American Idiot is definitely the album that means the most to me, because as um, a person of my age, 
Um, I am like very much of the like right smack dab in the middle of the millennial generation. I was born in 1990. And so American Idiot came out when I was 14 years old. Um, And that album is just like it speaks so much to people of my generation who were kids during 9-11 and the disillusionment of like kind of losing your childhood during that period and the Iraq war and starting to become like politically aware. It's a huge album for people like me. And I feel like Vaz feels the same way. We're of a similar age and we've talked about that before. But my favorite Green Day album just like to listen to musically is Warning. Um I'm obsessed with that album. Um it's probably the album I played the most in my life. Um and so I just want to give a shout out to Warning because I feel like that period of Green Day's career is like vastly underrated. Um and we can put Insomniac in that bucket too. Um people should listen to more of those albums, those intervening albums between um, Dookie and American Idiot and give them a little bit more love. Um, As far as like favorite songs on that album, Church on Sunday is probably my favorite. Um, I don't, I can't explain why. I just, I love how Warning is just a little bit more, I don't know, mature and also a little bit more upbeat and like kind of folky than their previous albums. Um, And I think it gives it a different feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I just really like that different feel about this album. Um, and I feel like if you are a person who, um, you know, has listened to Green Day in the past, um, you know, just kind of casually, but hasn't really gotten deep into their music in a while, give this album a listen again, is what I'll say. Uh, real quickly, give me your top like three or four Green Day albums. <sighs> okay, so Warning is my number one. American Idiot is number two because just because it's like super, super important to me. Ooh, and like number three is like the hardest because those two are like way ahead of everyone else. Oh my God. Oh, this is so difficult. I, I probably Insomniac. Okay. See, so I, I am uh, eight years your senior. And so I was in fifth or sixth grade when dookie came out and like for a a young man who still has a really bad sense of humor uh, a lot of the dookie stuff just really landed for me um oh and, yeah and there's some great songs I, I i'm not hating on dookie at all so my number one is kerplunk my number two is dookie my number three is probably either insomniac minus brain stew or <laughs> Nimrod minus Time of Your Life. Um, yeah. But yeah, Nimrod is such a good album, too. It is. But my dark horse, like rounding out the top five, is the Foxborough Hot Tubs album. That album's so good. It slaps. It's really <laughs> it slaps. good. It uh, slaps. People should listen to it. I don't think people know it like exists, but yeah, listen to the Foxborough Hot Tubs album. That album slaps. It's just like super good garage rock. That song Mother Mary is so catchy. So good. I oh walk around God. singing that song way more than I should for an album I haven't heard that many times, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so I actually picked my music pick because you were going to be on the show. Um, oh, yay. I hope I'm not confusing... Green Day with this. Are you also a Blink-182 fan? I do like Blink-182, yes. Okay. I thought I think I was thinking they were your favorite band, not Green Day, but this is this is a Blink-182 adjacent pick. So, um 
again, I was born in 82, so I was in, uh, I guess, middle school or early high school when Blink-182's Dude Ranch came out. And so that is sort of my Blink album. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I have friends who are a couple years younger than me that um, Enema of the State is the one they grew up with or Take Off Your Pants yeah, and Jacket. Yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I'm a Dude Ranch guy. And um, there is a, a Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter named Colleen Green, who I adore. She's fantastic. And she recently released an album, a full album cover of Dude Ranch by Blink-182. Oh, that's awesome. And she played that's it. Awesome. she played it on a bass. And it's like all the songs are super slow and super moody and super uh, like you you get a really different emotional sense of the album than you would have with like the super fast punky versions of them. And it it, it really draws out sort of the, the beauty of some of the melodies and also the sadness of some of the lyrics. I mean, some of the songs are really very silly, um, but some yes. of the, <laughs> some of the songs do have like legitimate emotional, um, you know, resonance to them. And her versions really pull that out. And so it's not available on Spotify or Apple Music. But you can buy it for seven bucks from her Bandcamp. And so I did that and I greatly enjoy it. And I believe if you go to the Bandcamp page, um, you can listen to two or three of the songs without without buying it to see if it's something that's up your alley. But it's really cool and it's um I don't find myself going back and listening to Blink-182 songs all that often. It's just not the music I'm listening to at this point in my life. Though, like, if I'm in a bar and a song comes on, I'm very happy to listen to it. And, uh, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll I'll put on Dude Ranch for a spin. But this is a really interesting way to reconnect with those songs in a very different way. So right. that's my recommendation. A fresh yes. perspective to them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, folks, that does it for another installment of Amazing Avenue Audio. Allison and I are going to go watch the end of this game, and hopefully <laughs> the Mets pull out a win for this game, which would be lovely. Um, until next time, go to AmazingAvenue.com. You can find all these podcasts as well as game recaps, news, uh, the best minor league coverage on the Internet as far as I'm concerned, and uh, lots more Mets stuff. So go to AmazingAvenue.com right now to check that out. You can also find the site on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can get this show from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify. If you can get podcasts someplace, you can probably get this show there. Uh, Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show because we appreciate that. You can email us, aaaudiopodcast at gmail.com. You can find Allison on Twitter at PetitePhD. You can find me on Twitter at Brian Needs a Nap. And until next time, let's fucking go Mets. Mm-hmm.